Father in heaven, we thank you in the name of Jesus for this opportunity of proclaiming the truth of your word. You know our weaknesses and our frailties, but you're able to work in spite of them. So lead us today by the Holy Spirit and let your word go forth with power. In Christ's name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Once again, we welcome you to this our brief study on the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Today we'll be getting uh, just a couple of inches uh, deeper, but not too deep because it's a bigger subject than I actually thought. However, this is by no means, as you would find out, a complete study on the Holy Spirit. It is merely a few questions on the baptism in the Holy Spirit. See that so many in these last days are seeking this experience in their lives. Many people are wanting to enter into the baptism in the Holy Spirit because they realize they lack the power without this experience. Remember what Acts 1 and 8 tells us, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit is come upon you and you shall be my witnesses. The Amplified Version tells us, you shall receive ability, efficiency, and might. In, in, the experience, in experiencing this baptism, the Spirit Himself um, saturates the believer's life. The believer is saturated throughout his soul with the very presence of the Holy Spirit, the very person of the Holy Spirit. First, he fills the host. Louder? All right. First, we notice in Acts chapter 2 that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, filled all the house where they were sitting. Then he filled their life. The Holy Spirit has put those words there so that we could understand that just as how that sound of a rushing mighty wind came and filled up that house. So the sound of a rushing mighty wind would come and fill up the life of the believers. What appeared to look like tongues of fire rested upon each one of them. And there were about 120 of them, we recall, in that upper room. Let me point out that the Holy Spirit is a person. He is the third person of the Godhead. Like the other persons in the Godhead, the Holy Spirit has a mind, he has emotions, and he has a will. Which three things constitute personality? A mind, emotion, and will. 
at least 81 references to the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. And there are 383 in the New Testament, uh, equating to three times the number of references uh, in the New Testament as in the Old, indicating also that God is seeking in these last days to let the Holy Spirit become more widely known, and I was going to say utilize, I'll still say that, more widely known and more widely used in these latter days. Because remember what Joel said, and I may be jumping ahead of my notes here, Joel said, it shall come to pass in the last days, said God. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. So in order for all flesh to experience this baptism, we have a triple number of references to the spirit in these, the new Testament times. So, beloved, everyone is in a position and in a place to receive. And there is no reason why a born again believer should not and does not submit himself or herself to receiving the power of the Holy Spirit. Yes. In experiencing the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the Spirit Himself comes into the life. The Spirit Himself comes and lives in us and rules in us. Remember, I mentioned to you that when you're saved, you do have the presence of the Holy Spirit. But when you're baptizing the Holy Ghost, you have the fullness of the Spirit dwelling in you. At salvation, you, you have the Spirit being resident. And in the baptism in the Holy Spirit, you have the Spirit becoming president. Not that he takes the place of Jesus, but he occupies a prominent role within your life. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's the third person of the Godhead, and we did mention that a moment ago. Now let me move on a little faster. The Spirit of God. Uh, in Old Testament times, Spirit of God in Old Testament times um, operated, shall I say, at a lower level not with the uh, uh, frequency, not with the, shall I say, publicity, not with the prominence that, and as he did in New Testament times. God has a way of gradually revealing his truths and revealing himself to his people. There, there is something called the fullness of time. 
God knows when the time is ripe. Notice what the Bible says in Acts chapter 2. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, fully come, Pentecost was a celebration, was a feast of the Jews, and it was a feast that it indicated the beginning of the first ripe fruit, the beginning of harvest time. And when Pentecost came around, everybody knew the harvest was at hand and the harvest was ready for use or, or ready for us to partake of. So this experience of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in these days is an indication that the harvest is near. Harvest is nigh. All right. Let's move on a little faster, a little, little further. Let us understand what Jesus said about the gift of the Holy Spirit in John chapter 16. John, in John chapter 16, he told the early disciples, um, he's sending them another comforter. He is sending them another comforter. And the word another, in English it's just another, but they tell us in the Greek. It is very personalized in the sense it means another of the same kind. I am going, Jesus said, but I'm sending you another of the same kind as I am. He, the Holy Spirit, as a person, was not, Jesus was not going to be with them any longer, but he was going to send them another comforter, one of the same kind as he is. The Greek word is parakletos one called alongside them. God is a good God. And those disciples, those disciples through the years had grown accustomed to working with, with Jesus and talking with him and finding solutions to their problems and their questions from him. Now he is going to leave them. And they might have been wondering, well, what's going to happen to us? How would we get by? And he said, don't you bother. I'm sending you another comforter. I'm sending you one who would come alongside of you, help you, answer your questions, and guide you, even as if I were here in, in a person. It would, he said, I would not leave you orphans in Matthew 14 and 18. He said, I will not leave you comfortless. That's a word for orphans. I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter, even the spirit of truth. He 
said, He dwelleth with you, and he shall be in you. That is the baptism right there for you. He dwelleth with you, but he shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come again. I will come to you. John 14 and 18. Those are uh, that's a powerful piece of scripture there. John 14 and 18. So the Holy Spirit in you is first the comforter. Then he is the spirit of truth to guide us into all truth. And then he shall glorify Christ. Look it up. Don't miss it. That's John 16 and the verses 1 to 14. You will find it in beginning uh, verses there. Yes, he is the comforter. He is the spirit of truth. The guide you into all truth. And then this one will come as a surprise to many. And it's not until you have to many. He shall glorify me. The Holy Spirit's purpose is not to glorify himself, but the Holy Spirit's purpose is to glorify Jesus, the Christ of God, the, the one whom God has highly exalted. Some may say, well, the Holy Spirit's purpose is to do miracles through you, yes. That's a part of it only. But his main purpose is to give glory to Jesus and to bring glory to Jesus. We'll delve into that a little more. One of the reasons for this is that the Holy Spirit what is Christ's and shows it to us John 16 and 14 he will draw upon what is mine Jesus said in the, in the Moffat translation he will draw upon what is mine and disclose it to you in other words when the Holy Spirit uses the apostle or the evangelist to do a great task, the Holy Spirit receives that uh, witness, that direction from Jesus himself, and then proceeds to use the evangelist in that particular area. So who should take credit for that? Should the evangelist take credit? No, because he got it from Jesus. Should the spirit take credit? No, because he's there to glorify Jesus and to bring about what Jesus has in mind. So we are learning here that the Holy Spirit will draw upon what is Christ's and disclose that to you. We preachers have learned a long time ago 
that the messages we share and the way in which God leads us to share these messages, those things are not ours. God just lends them to us. He gives them to us. And some may feel that they have a lot of talent and a lot of ability. No, those things are not ours. In a sense, in truth, God gives us the ability. And that is where the Holy Spirit comes in. When we experience being used of God in these particular areas, we should be very quick to give the glory to Jesus. Because even the Holy Spirit doesn't want the glory. He wants you and me to give that glory to Jesus. Another translator says, the Holy Spirit will bring glory to Christ. He will draw on truth that Christ has shared with him. So what is happening? The Holy Spirit is serving and will serve us when we are filled. He will serve us with the uh, experience of receiving from Jesus, he will receive from Jesus, pass them onto us, and we will execute them by the word that we speak and with the faith that we, uh, we, we have within us. So it's taking from Jesus, coming to us by the power of the Spirit, and we executing what Jesus originally gave to the Spirit. So, let me show you one example of this. In Mark chapter 1, verse 40 to 45, is a simple story of a leper who was cleansed by the power of Jesus Christ. And this is early, according to Mark's account, this was early in Jesus' ministry. So this leper is, is cleansed and he is excited. But Jesus charged him to tell it to no man. See that thou tell no man these things. But the Bible says, he went out and he blazed it abroad. He blazed it abroad. Might it be that in his blazing it abroad, the credit went somewhere else rather than where it really belonged? Could it be that the credit went to him? Or could it be that the credit went to the some some procedure he might have used or pursuing? Could it be? But Jesus said, see that you tell no man this story. Relate the account so that Jesus, the Christ of God, would get all the credit and no one would leave thinking
sacred it for the water that comes out of it. The tap just gives out the water that you need. Jesus must get all the credit. If there is one thing God will not share with man, it is his glory. God is extremely jealous of his own glory. All glory must be to him and to the Son, whom he has highly exalted. God has given to him a name which is above every name, that at his name every knee must bow and every tongue confess to the glory of God. You say, but where are you going with this? Well, I'm following the scripture that, said, that says, when he, the spirit of truth, is come. In John 16, Jesus said, he, in verse 14, John 16, 14, Jesus said, he shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. The Holy Spirit himself does not take credit because he knows and understands that what he is sharing with you, he got it from the Son of God. It's right here. Let me read this scripture again. When he's come, he shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. So what you know today, what you have today, what you're using today, was first given from Jesus to the Spirit. And the Spirit caused you to declare it, to announce it, to pronounce it, to testify of it, and to show it abroad. So we have to emphasize that one of the works, one of the purposes of the Holy Spirit is to glorify Jesus, not himself. In Isaiah 42 and verse number 8, the Bible says, I am the Lord, that is my name. And my glory I will not give to another, neither my praise the grave images. <clears throat> I am the Lord, Isaiah 42 and 8. That is my name and my glory I will not give to another, neither my praise the grave God guards his praise and glory with, shall I say, jealousy. Satan was cast down from heaven because of disrespect. Yes, and that disrespect led eventually to rebellion. The Holy, the Holy Spirit work is to point to the Son. Beloved son, 
the work the Holy Spirit must do. That is the line of his job. And therefore, he doesn't take any glory. He glorifies Jesus. He, he lifts Jesus up. He magnifies Jesus. And the scripture does say, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. So that is why your spirit is lifted when you begin to talk about Jesus, when you begin to sing about Jesus, when you begin to worship Jesus, when you begin to shut yourself in with Jesus, worship Him and praise Him. Mountains begin to move and the power of God begins to be manifested because Jesus is the one. When the spirit of truth is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of himself. Yes, he will not speak of himself. He is self-effacing. He is content be in the background. He is not looking for credit or publicity. He is the executor of the will of the Father and the Son. And he is pleased, I know, to serve in that capacity. He is the executor. His ministry is to glorify the Father and the Son, true, many great works are being done, and even great old works are scheduled to be done as we move forward. But the Holy Spirit's position is one who glorifies the Son. He makes Jesus the goal, the center of all things. So let us give the glory to Jesus in whatever we say and whatever we do. Let us listen to the voice of the Spirit as He Himself will be pointing you to none other than Jesus. You remember that incident when Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration and um, the disciples were with him, a couple of them, a few of them. And they said, Lord, it's good for us to be here. Let us build three tabernacles. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And the voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved son. Hear ye him. It's one and only one. God has exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess. So what has this baptism got to do with this thought? 
the baptism has to do this. The baptism will always make you want to and desire to glorify Jesus as God's Son. The baptism in the Holy Spirit will give you power to honor Jesus and to lift up Jesus and to make Jesus good and great in the, among the multitude. This is the purpose of the baptism, to help you, to teach you, to glorify Jesus. Why? Because eventually all eyes would be on Jesus. At the end of things, Jesus will be the one who will be the point of focus. God has committed all judgment to him. And he will be the one who will appear that great day on the mountain. And all of Israel shall mourn because of him. Because they shall look upon him whom they pierced. Jesus is the focal point. There is none other. He is the answer. He is God's answer for this world, for you, and for your problem. So the baptism in the Holy Spirit will help you to focus more and more on Jesus and to shine the spotlight on him because he is the world's greatest and only hope. Let us bow our hearts for a moment. Father, we thank you that when we heard those words, I am the way, the truth, and the life, we understood that to a limited degree, but now we understand it to even a greater extent that Jesus alone is the way. Neither is there salvation in any other for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. We thank you that you have given us the Holy Spirit so that as we are filled, together we can move out into this world and glorify that one who will one day judge the world. Help us to lift him up. Help us to lift him up so that others will be dropped on to him. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this message. Thank you for helping me to this extent, despite the limitations. We give you the glory and the praise for we thank you that the Spirit has come to glorify Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Jesus. Give you the glory. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 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 Thank you, Lord J